We are continuing our, uh, our series on United. Um, it's, it's kind of a friendship series, but it's also a Trinity series. Uh, we're, we're looking at how the relationship of uh, the, the triune God, um, the intertriune relations between Father, Son, and Spirit, because we're made in God's image, the, the way that God experiences intimacy and relationship is the way we ought to as well. And so last week we saw that a mutual faithfulness is the grounding of, of Christian unity and, and Christian friendship. This week we're going to see where friendship starts. And so let's take a look here at John 6 and uh, we'll get rolling. Oh yeah, there, you just saw it for a second? Oh, so good. Predator, great movie. Okay, uh, but let's take a look at the text. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me and still you do not believe. All those, uh, Jesus is talking to the, uh, the, the unbelieving Jewish people right now. Um, all those the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Now this may not sound like a friendship text, but I guarantee you it is. But first we need to, uh, we need to see what Jesus is talking about with the bread of life bit. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Uh, this, this, is, uh, this is John's telling, uh, in John's telling of the feeding of the 5,000. This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. So he performs this sign, this wonder, and then he, he, he says something further. He says, the, the, the 5,000, that was like bread for a day. I'm the bread of life. And by that, he means something about eternal life. And he's using, uh, he's using the language of eating for a reason. Um, I... Uh, there, there is one restaurant that I like eating. Big fan. There's a restaurant that, uh, that I go to every once in a while, and it's the most exhausting experience. Um, have, you been, have you been to the Cheesecake Factory? Have you been there? It's, uh, it, it, if, if you haven't, it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of terrifying. Did you know that the menu at, uh, at, at Cheesecake Factory is 21 pages long? 21 pages it's like, it's like a short novel. And there are over 250 items on the menu. So when I go to Cheesecake Factory because I like eating, I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. They have everything that I want. I do want that Cuban sandwich. But wait, the jalapeno five alarm burger? That's too. And so it's, it's, it's very, I mean, obviously, you know, the che- and there's cheesecakes too, like thousands of them. I, it, it's, it's an exhausting experience because I'm like, I'm like usually a decisive person, but at, at, the, at the, the menu of the Cheesecake Factory, I'm a broken man. And I, I'm, I'm perusing through, and you know, it's 30 minutes in, the waitress has already refilled the drink like four times, and, and finally my eyes alight on something. And I'm like, that's what I've been hungry for. Now I get it. It's usually one of the glam burgers, but occasionally it's one of the Asian-inspired Dishes, they're not bad for like a, you know, a, pl- a chain. That, uh, that, that experience, though, of, of going through, you, you come in not really knowing what uh, you're, you're hungry for, but then as you're, as, you're, as you're perusing, as you're browsing, that's when it hits you. The hunger pains you're having are actually for this thing. 
Well, that's what Jesus is doing, right, with the, the, the feeding of the 5,000. He's like, he's like, you think that you're here for, like, you, you just want to eat. But there's a hunger that's deeper in you. There's a hunger that is really uh, kind of, like, buried in, that you often paper over by distracting yourself, um, by worrying about the things of this world. But there's a deeper hunger you have. It's the hunger for God. It's the hunger to know God and to be like God. It's a hunger for eternal life. And so that's kind of the, 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 the first thing in your note sheet is, is the bread of life gives us eternal life and everything we need to know about God. If we look at Jesus, we have the perfect image of who God is. And when we trust him, it's like, it's like eating that perfect meal. And, it's, and, and, and what it does is it, it, it causes us to enter into eternal life, starting now and going forever. But notice something about this eternal life. Let's uh, go back to the text briefly. Look at this. All those the Father gives me will come. And whoever comes, I will never drive away. Look at the bottom. My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. The opposite of the Cheesecake Factory. Cheesecake, overwhelming choice. Where do you have zero choice? In and out. They've got one thing on the menu. You can make it like a billion different variations of that. Uh, this is the animal style, I think. Um, but it's, they, they sell one thing, and it's a cheeseburger. That's it. Uh, there, yeah, there's fries, there's a shake. But it's like, you're, you don't go to In-N-Out like, I would like the uh, Asian chicken salad, please. That's not, they'll be like, well, there's other places for you. Uh, and if you want to modify the burger, feel free. But did you know? that they interviewed a whole bunch of professional chefs across the country. And they asked them, what's the best um, fast food item in North America? And almost exclusively, they all said the double-double from In-N-Out Burger. It's, it's just perfect. And, and we often, we don't think about how lucky we are to live here in a place where there's In-N-Outs everywhere. Like, it's hard to... You, if you need an In-N-Out Burger... You can have it. Most of the country can't have it. They live in destitution and sadness. Every day is another day without the nourishing sustenance of the world's greatest cheeseburger. When uh, my buddy Mike comes out to visit, the very first, he lives in <laughs> Minnesota. Oh, what a state. Uh, he comes out, and the first thing he does, he's like, we got to go to In-N-Out. i got to get my fix. He bought, he bought the T-shirt. He reps the T-shirt in Minnesota. Like, yeah, I've been to In-N-Out. What's up? You know, that's a thing over there. Here's the deal with an In-N-Out burger. Because it is so good, you can never uneat it. It cannot be uneaten. Once you've tasted the double-double, it, it lingers with you forever. You will never forget how great that was. You could try, you could, you could stick your finger down your throat and, you know, and vomit up the double-double, but your brain has now been rewired to know what greatness is. It has now been changed. Your taste buds will never be the same ever again. And no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you will always remember and always love the In-N-Out double-double. You just can't avoid it. You can't uneat it. Do you notice that that's exactly what Jesus is saying about eternal life? He's like, once you've eaten the bread of life, that's it. 
Like, uh, the, all the ones the Father wants to come to me, I'm going to have them, and they can't get away. They can try, but they can run, but they can't hide. I will never drive them away. Every single one the Father gives me, I will raise on the last day. Once you have tasted the bread of life, once you have believed, it is a done deal. You have eternal life, end of story. Now, you can choose not to live that out if you want, but it's in your heart. There's not, you can pretend, you can, you can never go to in and out ever again. You, you may know that uh, Matt and Deborah Bowner are vegan. And they've made a choice never to eat in and out ever again. But they will never forget what it was like. And that is the same thing with eternal life. You can't uneat it. It's yours. It's a part of you. You can run as far as you like, but God will never, ever, ever let you go. And that's the first start of Christian friendship. It begins with Christ. It begins with being a believer, with, being, with tasting the bread of life. You can't uneat it. Once you believe, you have eternal life. Let's go back to the text, and let's see uh, the, the, probably, I think, what's the most interesting bit of this. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, this is Jesus speaking, uh, but to do the will of him who sent me, the Father. Now what that sounds like, in, in, when we hear it in English, it, it sounds like, Jesus would really rather be doing something else. Like Jesus, he has his own will that he would like to be doing. He may, maybe he wants to be a farmer. Maybe he wants to really work on that carpentry gig that he started out with. Um, but, 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 he has to just, he's got to just do what the Father sent him. And, and, and he's frustrated about it, but that's not what's going on at all. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. Because the Father and the Son are one, the Father's will is the Son's will. Even if, in human terms, that will is, is difficult. Last week we looked at when Jesus um, was, was preparing for crucifixion and how he was like, oh, not my will, Father, but yours. It's not that Jesus didn't want to save the world. He did. He just didn't necessarily like the way it was going to have to happen. Instead, what Jesus and the Father have is a perfectly, eternally united will. What the Father wants and the desires, Jesus wants and desires. And the Holy Spirit unites them in this and empowers Jesus to do what the Father asks. Why is that important? Well, last night, um, you may know Christian Bonte and, uh, and his wife Jen, they, <laughs> and Zach and Amy. Zach just retired from professional rugby. So, good job, man. Thank you for your service. Uh, no more. I, a while back, he, he scored a try, which is like a, a touchdown in rugby for those, most of us who don't know. And I, I, I showed it. It was awesome, man. Like, a lot of respect. That's pretty cool. I, I, yeah. I think after your first try, you have to run around the field naked. That's like a thing. Yeah. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, so, so the Bontes invited uh, me and Doug over to watch uh, the USC-UCLA football game. Yeah, right on. What a great game. Uh, I left at 7 because I needed to go to sleep. And when I left, it was like it, the, the Bruins were winning. Like, and, and then I looked this morning. Whoa, what a game. Uh, USC, what was it, 48-45? Go Trojans, I guess. Man, that's, wow. 
So, uh, but what was cool, so we were, they have this super dope um, uh, garage, and like they invited like a whole bunch of people from the, the, the street, and there's all these people, some uh, like Doug were in their USC thing, and Zach was in his Bruins thing, um, and, but it was really cool, like everyone was like just getting along and really excited about the experience. Um, it, it probably got violent after I left, um, <laughs> once, it became, once it became clear that, that, that there was a winner and a loser. But while I was there, it was amazing how, uh, how quickly people um, formed, you know, friendships and, and started getting to know each other. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, this is really, really cool. Um, and, and it struck me that the reason for that is that, is that everybody uh, who was there was interested in one thing, and that is college football, and super interested in this really cool rivalry. And as a result, this thing that unites people, the, the, this desire, this interest, was there, and as a result, everyone came and had an awesome time. It was really, really cool. Well, did you notice, though, that that's exactly what Jesus says is going on with him and the Father they have this united will, this, uni- this common interest, this common cause, uh, that, that when they're, because they have this in common, it unites them, it brings them together. The intimacy, the relationship of the father and the son is built, it's, it's, it's grounded in this common will. It's a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, he says, friendship arises out of mere companionship. When two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even a taste which the others do not share and which, till that moment, each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. C.S. Lewis uh, had a hard time making friends when he was younger because he was a nerd. And people were like, I'm not interested in English rhetoric. But once he got to university, once he became a professor, he started finding other people who shared this passion. And as a result, he, he created friendships that were super deep, super nourishing, because they, they had this, this thing that they loved together. Like, I mean, you got to remember, like, writing fantasy stuff in, like, the 1940s, that was not cool anywhere. Fantasy wasn't a thing. In fact, it was, like, it was, it was for children. And yet, these few guys, the, you know, Tolkien and Lewis and some others, they found this special bond because they shared this beautiful interest. And they became lifelong, fast friends. And that's because they're made in the image of God and because God, God's intra-triune relationships are built on common cause. It's the uh, next thing your note sheets. Maybe. Friendship begins with common cause. It could be uh, Bruins and, and UC, USC. It could be anything, really. It doesn't really matter. But it's the stuff that you love, the stuff that interests you, that, 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 that draws you. That's where friendship begins. And so, uh, just a, a few questions. What are your deepest interests, causes, desires? I think, um, actually, child raising can be a really powerful, uh, it can create a powerful friendship between spouses that, that wasn't there before kids happened. Because there's this common cause. Like, we both 
really love this little guy. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this happen? And, and because there's this common interest, a, a type of friendship develops. But you can't have these things if you don't know what you love. A lot of you love guns. I don't get it. Well, I kind of get it. But man, you really love guns. Um, and maybe you have friends that you do gun stuff with. Some of you love golf. I like whatever you like because I'm just interested in everything. So I like hanging out and doing all that stuff with you. But your deepest friendships, the ones that are going to matter the most, are going to be the ones where you share those things deeply. Josh Johnson doesn't have any friends. Um, and that's because his interest is tennis, which is dumb. Uh, so if there's any crazy person who likes to play tennis, you should talk to Josh Johnson. He needs, he needs buddies. He, he's like, Tom, we should play tennis. I was like, ah, oh, that's a heart attack. No. <laughs> no. I, have, I have a hard time getting upstairs. Like, just... All right, number two. Here's the deal. This is the real thing. Try to name three people in your life who share those things. And the reason we need to do this is because if you can't, you may not have any friends. And if you don't, you are, you're deeply out of sync with who God is. Like God's very nature indicates that you should have this as a part of your life. But there's one type of friendship, a special type of friendship, that every single person here can share. Let's go back to the text and and look at it one more time. This is the will of him, the Father, who sent me, Jesus, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will, and therefore my will, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. I know we're all getting tired of the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's, uh, it's getting exhausting. But the reason it took off was because there was a sense at the, the beginning of those movies where these, these, these heroes would get together and they all were looking for the same thing. My, my favorite of the uh, first or second phase of the MCU is Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I went into that movie like, this is going to be total trash, and I was enthralled. The music, the acting, the dialogue, the plot, everything was amazing. And I, I've gone back to it again and again. I've shown my kids this movie. They love the movie. Um, and and what, what, what gets them, what gets my children about this film is the love that develops between the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right? They're all misfits. They don't, they, they're all, you know, they're Star-Lord's a loser. Gamora's like, she's been tortured. Yeah, it, it's, they're all a mess. But as they get together, they have these different desires and the different interests, but they, they, they all come together. And at a certain point, they've realized they've, they've fallen in love with each other in a way because they all have the same goal, and that is to save the world. They literally say, we have to save the world. If it's not us, everything's going to fall apart. And we're going to have to do that despite the fact that we're different, despite the fact that we have uh, different interests, different um, backgrounds, uh, different races, and, and different, not even human, 
there's only one human, there's a talking raccoon. Uh, how are we going to, it, it, it doesn't matter how we do it, but we have to get together because if we don't save the world, who will? Did you notice that that's exactly what Jesus says the Father's will is? It's to save the world. It's, it's literally to go into the world and every single person the Father has chosen is to find them and to bring them into eternal life. And eternal life is not just you live forever after you die, although that's really cool. It's, it's also living the life of God, the way of Jesus now and experiencing what that's like now. The crazy thing is, friends, every single one of us here has been called by God to participate in saving the world, literally. It's not just for Peter Quill and Gamora and Drax and Groot and Rocket Raccoon. It's for every single person sitting here. Um, we, we looked at a painting by El Greco last week. I have another one. Uh, one of his favorite subjects was the, the Holy Trinity. And, and in this one, uh, again, there's, there's a lot of, of motion. You can see that it, it's almost as though Jesus is falling into um, the Father's arms um, in crucifixion. And the dove, the Holy Spirit, is, is hovering over, um, keeping the unity between the Father and the Son as the Son tastes death. And what's happening in this piece is El Greco is trying to show what saving the world looks like for the triune God. The Father who is the God of the living embraces the Son in a sacrificial death that is going to save the entire universe. And we're invited to participate in that. So it's cool if you love tennis or you love uh, the Bruins. Uh, that's awesome. But every single one of us is called to be passionate about saving the world. And when we do that, when we ignite that passion, then we get to participate with God and each other and what will develop are true Christian friendships. Friendships that are... Uh, that that are beyond belief because it's people who otherwise would never have hung out together. They never would have, you know, they, they, people that have completely different ways of, of, of doing life and yet in this are united. That's the last thing in your note sheets. Christian friendships form when we work together to save the world. And that brings up a couple of questions, some thoughts. Is that where your heart's at? Do you want to save the world? When I say save the world, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about um, seeing people uh, come to Jesus, but not just so that their souls are safe, but so that people will start actually wanting to live the way Jesus lived. Like, how cool would it be <laughs> if instead of doing things the way the world does things now, we all were like, oh, <laughs> Jesus has a different way of doing things. A way that's built out of compassion, out of love, out of commitment, out of faithfulness, out of self-sacrifice. 
Wouldn't it be cool if we were the, the, the catalyst, the start, to go out and find some of those people that the Father has chosen? Does that not excite you? It excites me. I'm super passionate about this. I, I, what, I'm, what I'm about, what I'm about right now, is I want to see people who don't know Jesus or people who've been burned by the church uh, people, those people, I want them to come in and, and reignite or ignite for the first time a knowledge, a saving knowledge of who Jesus is and, and the possibility of living his way. Because I believe that if we do that, if we bring these people and find, find those of you, those of us who've been burned by church or don't even know about church, if we start bringing you in and, and, and we start learning Jesus' way together and trusting in him together, I can't imagine what's going to happen to the world's. The second question is, do you have a partner in this? Try to name three people who share your vision, if you have it. And if you can't, you need to find those people. You can start here. Maybe they're outside and they're just kind of wandering. Bring them in. We have a mission here. And when we do it, we're going to be fulfilled in ways that we can't even imagine. We will have the same type of loving friendship that happens because we love sports or whatever together, but, but in the pursuit of something eternal, something that never quits, never ends. If you want friends, love saving the world. And you will have friends that you cannot believe. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we praise you for your united will with the Son. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your willingness to taste death to save the world. Holy Spirit, we praise you for keeping the unity of the Father and the Son and empowering us to live the divine life, the eternal life. God, pitch a fire in our hearts, a fire for saving the world, for seeing lives and families and communities transformed, for going out and finding the ones that you've called, Father. Bring them in to the safety of the Son, you Jesus. God, if there's people out there, we know there's people out there who need you. There's people who've been wrecked by churches. They've been wrecked by religion. God, bring them to us. Let us be your hands and feet. Let us be a part of saving the world. All this we pray in Jesus' name.